Today's episode of Birds with Friends is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to birdswithfriends.robinhood.com. That's birdswithfriends.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit robinhood.com fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Bowen Sheila in the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis, Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bowen and Shilkapadia coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings you can't live up to expectations so just do your best that's what i tell myself in most life endeavors (laughs) just go with what you saw today change your opinion daily yeah i'm all about that you'll be wrong often but then you can just point back to when you were right no one will remember no one's listening hello and welcome to a tuesday afternoon of birds with friends i'm your host today shiel kapadia we figured you have heard enough from bo wolf over the past couple of weeks here. He is here. We will be chatting with him. I am also joined by uh, Zach Berman. I don't usually like to ask this question, but I guess it's uh, good for hosts to do. So how are you guys doing today? I'm doing well. Glad to be on the pod with you. I'm doing well. I'll keep my words to a minimum. Okay, very good. Well, I want to start. We've got I just, a lot. Actually, I just had a weird thing. Uh, he uh, couldn't even go ten seconds. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I just went to a, I just went to a, a new gym for the first time. Oh, look at what, you! What so an flex awkward. Right there. Well, this is like oh yeah for the first time because this is like the first time I've walked into a physical gym in like years. Uh, but what an I, what an awkward experience. How so? To just go in for the first time. It feels like everybody's looking at you. Everybody's judging you. Oh, I don't like, think so. Yeah, I mean, that's fine, but it was yeah, weird. There's a, there's a lot of meatheads in there, but uh, what are you going to do? That's good. I feel like the offseason football writers, once this time of year hits, every year, it's like, all right, let's let's uh, let's get some exercise in. Try yeah, to get well, that's what everybody shit. tells me, so I'm trying to, trying to be more of a football writer. Okay, there you go. Very good. Uh, so we will get to Bo's gym tales later. Certainly, I want to get more on that. We've got other stuff to get to. We've got a little news we'll start off the show with. We'll go behind the scenes on a few stories. I mean, these two guys have been all, ac- all around the country covering various events, and we want to touch on some of the things they wrote and also see if there was uh, some things that were left on the cutting room floor, I guess, as they say. We'll talk about the Super Bowl a little bit, and then we will end with a mailbag. Super Bowl. But I wanted to start with this. 
Football story of the week. Bo Wolf of The Athletic with a terrific idea executed well. Wolf spent time with veteran Eagle center Jason Kelsey every week during the season to see how he was doing physically. His report on one of the best offensive linemen in football who played every snap of every Eagles game in 2009 at age 32. Kelsey is surprisingly and educationally open about anti-inflammatories, as Wolf writes. Important piece by Wolf. Really good job. I always think the best thing we can do in our jobs is to take people where they cannot go and tell them things they cannot know. This story is a great illustration of that. That is from Peter King, the, I don't really know what Grand Pumbaa means, but I, 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 I think it applies, right? I think it's Pumbaa. Like, Pumbaa, okay. I don't think yeah. there's an M. Okay, do you know what that is? What is a Grand, grand Pumbaa? Uh, you know, the elder statesman. Uh, okay. I would say the grand poobah of football writers. I mean, who knows how much money he's making? We know that his <laughs> <laughs> we know that his column. I, I would say his Monday morning column is the most read on the internet of any football content has been for a decade, and he devoted not one, not two, but three bullet points. To Bo Wolf's story on Jason Kelsey, Zach, how happy are you that uh, we don't need to be in the same room with Bo right now? He's probably just smelling himself left and right. Well, I do think it was merited, number one. And number two, I think <laughs> not, everything— Not the answer I was looking for. <laughs> everything that, that, that Peter King wrote there uh, was absolutely true, uh, especially that our, our job is, as, as writers is to bring the reader where— they are not, and and teach them something, and and both did both. So I uh, I will get in line with Peter King any day, but especially on this one. Now, while I know when the the story first came out, you're checking the metrics uh, crazily. Uh, you know, you were you weren't sure how it was performing. I think it's obvious it's performed very well. It's reached these stages. I mean, is this connected to your your gym outing? Are you trying to make sure you're looking nice and ripped when you get the big TV gig with Peter <laughs> King, or uh, you know, how, how has this uh, new level of fame greeted you here? I assure you that has that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> it was very nice of Peter King. Now I I, uh, I appreciate the, the kind words. Thought I would cry. Is he the is he the official uh, national writer aside from me, of course, the official well, yeah. national writer of Birds with Friends? Would you say? Well, I liked the uh, I liked there was a Pegnas migrate given to us. Uh, who would you rather have talk about your story? Your story, Peter King, Joe Buck, or uh, who was the other one? Al Jim Michaels, Nance. maybe Jim Nance. Uh, Jim Nance was the other one. Oh, did Jim Nance talk about somebody's story? Or is that no, just it was just what was in the okay. Pat That's a theoretical because because yes. Buck has uh, has talked about shields just without uh, attribution. Mm, that doesn't count. All right, so Bo gets the big shout out from Peter King, Zach Berman. I mean, you can't watch a Joe Buck telecast without. I him forget getting what a the name out. of this. I forget what the name of the segment is when we talk about our stories. I have to think of the uh, bird pot. It's, it's okay. We don't have to do that today. And uh, I'm sitting here uh, in my basement with uh, no recognition, no awards. I'm looking on the wall. Some of my Aren't you going daughter, to the Super Bowl? Some of my daughter's artwork, no plaques. Uh, I don't even have my diploma. I, uh, w- maybe we should have a segment on where I've gone wrong here. 
from YouTube. I think Shield just can... needs to read the comment sections because <laughs> yeah, every comment right. section is, right. is like if, if Shield mentions the Eagles in a story, then it's it's uh it's oh we miss you so much. Yeah, so <laughs> hmm. uh, I'm I'm debating whether to like crush the readers here and say that's not meaningful or say that I'm a writer of the people. I think I should probably take the latter there and uh, take the high road. So thank you for all those comments. All right, let's get to the news. We've got a couple this out. This is Bird on the Street. Listen, it is what I say it is. Uh, relatively, I don't know if they're minor or not. I'm, I'm curious to hear what you two uh, who have your, uh, what is it, ear to the street? I don't know if I'm using that correctly. Ear have to, to say about it. Let's say uh, Andrew Barry, uh, Eagles executive, goes to the Cleveland Browns as their new general manager, Berminator. Let's start with you. Uh, your thoughts on that move how it affects the Eagles. He obviously wasn't in Philadelphia for a long time, but um, you know, just kind of what you make of that move. Sure. So it was something that was expected. Uh, obviously, this has been rumored throughout the past few weeks, and uh, over the past 48 hours, it, it really kind of started to accelerate. Uh, but it's not something that caught the Eagles off guard. They added in, they added him to the front office last year. A little later than than this time, early February, I, I believe, and it was really they created a position. It was just to get uh, his his voice in the room, so to speak. He he was involved in in both the scouting side and the football ops side. Uh, he was very well regarded by Jeffrey Lurie, the Eagles owner, um, and 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 so I don't think it's it's the type of move that that like dramatically changes things because. It, it was a, a role kind of created for him. It's it's not as if there's this big void now, but he is uh, he's a, a young, intelligent executive who was well regarded. So there is um, I, I don't know if we'll call it a brain drain, but now you've lost two VPs on the football side in the past six months. It's something to monitor how the Eagles kind of add or fill those spots in the front office. So I think the Barry thing is, uh, I'm not so sure how important it is. Like, obviously, they liked the guy and they valued the guy. And we know that they tried to block him or they they did block him from interviewing for the Panthers general manager job because that job didn't include final say. But uh, he was also only there for a year, uh, like late in the draft process. So it's not like he had a big effect uh, on last year's process or free agency. And uh, he wasn't really even in a department. He was sort of in his own bucket, sort of floating around. I don't, I don't really think that we know that he was doing much here other than uh, the Eagles thought highly enough of him to bring him in. But it's not like they are, uh, you know, scrambling with, with how to replace him. I think it was just they saw a guy who was uh, made a free agent by the weirdness in Cleveland and, and wanted to give him a shot. But I don't, it, it, uh, like we kept reading that like Andrew Barry is this rising star and the, the Eagles are, you know, are in love with him. I'm not so sure that that is really truly the case. Okay. Well, Joe Douglas obviously left and then Andy Weidel takes over for him. And then, you know, I, I know I at least felt like, all right, this is Andrew Barry, another voice in the room to sort of fill that void a little bit, but now uh, he's not there. So Howie Roseman, Howie Roseman and Andy Weidel, right? Am I missing? Is there anyone sort of uh, on that level that we should be, that, that our listeners should know about that will, you think, be integral in some of these offseason decisions? Well, the one I, thing that we, we, we don't quite know, I and mean, they try to keep it uh, as hidden as possible, but but Alec Hallaby's department is uh, up there as well. We don't, you know, every sure. time we ask about the uh, 
level of integration with analytics. Uh, it's sort of, uh, oh, well, you know, it's sort of lip service, but we don't really know exactly how much of part of it is. But uh, I do think that, that Halaby is sort of the next guy to mention. I would also go. mention Tom Donahoe uh, because he is someone who who Andy White, who has Andy Weidel's ear, uh, who has Howie Roseman's ear. Um, if you look at the 2016 draft, which I think is the, the, the best draft the Eagles have, have had since Howie took back over, uh, Tom was 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 kind of in in charge, if you will. It was basically just under, the two of them. Yeah. So uh, you know, and and he's someone who has who has um, kind of that gravitas in the front office. Uh, so I think his name's important to mention. And, and, and you will always see like a, after a game, you will always see Tom Donahoe in the locker room, sort of like talking to uh, a, a few players. Uh, so he, I think you're right about that, Kravitas. And also, I would add that he, uh, I believe, he was the GM in Pittsburgh when Andy Weil first started out. Yes, I, I actually believe he, he has a lot of connections with with the, with with the family out there in Pittsburgh. So it's it's uh, that's 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 uh, a name to know. And then Ian Cunningham is is underneath Andy. Ian's the assistant director of personnel, I believe. He, he's kind of number two on the on the on the personnel side. He's where Andy was uh, when Joe Douglas was here. There you go. Well, uh, good luck to Andrew Barry. And I, I like it when there are there are fewer cooks in the kitchen. You know, we know that this off season is Howie Roseman's. There, there's from our no, perspective, yeah, I agree. Yeah, with that. from our perspective, is nice. There's there's clarity, and we will see uh, what the Eagles end up doing. I know Howie Roseman at his end of season press conference alluded to them having some news to announce. Do you think that was that just Connor Barwin, or do you think there are more moves to be made that will be announced eventually with the front well, office? and Brent Selleck. Now is Brent Selleck like enough? Uh, he they have not. He, I don't know why okay. they are dragging their feet in announcing this because they could have just packaged him and Barwin together. But he is he is officially with the organization. You know he's oh, okay. uh, he's traveling with he traveled with the team with a team to the Senior Bowl. Uh, I, I think it's a similar role to Barwin's, but uh, they have not yet announced it. Smart move by uh, Howie. I would like to have many special assistants. Well, I could just say, you know, go get me some cut fruit, find me someone to stretch out my hammies, all those different things. So, uh, so far the off season is off to a good start for uh, for Howie Roseman. Okay, next I will make bit. one addition to the Andrew Berry discussion. Is, is yes, is that uh, even if like Bo said, he wasn't really here long enough to to have this this major influence. I can assure you. That if the Browns are in the Super Bowl in like three or four years, uh, I will put up a tweet or a story or something that 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 says, "How did they let this guy out of the building in like in 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 a Raheem Mostert style?" You know. Mm. There you go. Yeah, you got that's you got to do that. I mean, that's a, that's a nice brand of tweet. I like that category of tweet. The guy who <laughs> used to be here who is now having success. Uh, I don't think it's a. I don't think you ever need to let those go. You should always be, be talking about those. So. The uh, Dennis uh, Kelly, uh, Dor- <laughs> yeah. uh, the Green Beckham trade, <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, that's, that's always a fun one. Listen, that's that's how fans speak. Uh, some sports writers might be above it, but those are the conversations I feel like. That happened in, in living rooms and bars across America when Raheem Mostert is having that game. The diehards who remembered him being here, I'm sure they were having those conversations. So uh, I am all in favor of that. All right, second piece of news. Uh, Mar- I, I can't remember if we talked about this last time or not. but We did, we did not. not. We did not. Okay, Mark Markin 
Marcan Manuel, uh, expected to be named defensive backs coach. I believe Jeremy Fowler of ESPN was the first to report this. So that would leave the Eagles with three openings, I believe, right? Defensive line coach, offensive coordinator, and wide receivers coach. I think they're the last team in the NFL to not have an offensive coordinator. That is obviously the biggest one, but uh, whichever one of you wants to Take this, give us some background on Mark Emanuel and uh, where he's been and the guy who's coming to the Eagles coaching staff. How about you, though? He's a, he, he has that, that Seahawks background, so do you want right. to jump in first? He does, but I don't think... When was he in Seattle? You did not, you did not overlap. I, I did not. Believe. Okay, good. I, I, was, I believe you he rock. followed Dan Quinn over to to the Falcons, correct? Okay. Yes. I was, yes, a, I he, was a yeah. little bit nervous there that you know I was supposed okay. to have covered this guy, and I don't remember <laughs> having any interaction with him, but uh, it is on my list to check in with some Seahawks people and uh, get some background on him. I, I guess probably it would have been good to do that before this podcast. Yeah. Uh, listen, that didn't the happen. Host chair, the host chair is all-consuming. Uh, that's right. Okay. Uh, so you played in the league. It. Played in the league for seven years, then went to then started out his coaching career with the Seahawks as a, as an assistant, and then so was there for three years, and then as as Zach said, left to go to Atlanta with Dan Quinn. Was the secondary coach for two years, and then was the defensive coordinator for two years, and was uh, fired at the end of the uh, 2018 season. So that means he did not have a job last year. And, uh, you know, obviously that means that he comes from the, uh, the Seahawks defensive school, which, which is, uh, this is what we do. This is how we do it. Let's make sure we do it well. And maybe the Eagles could use a little bit of that in the secondary. But uh, my, my, without knowing uh, much about him, my top line thought is I'm glad they're just not hiring uh, all white guys on the staff. <laughs> yes. Which, uh, uh, well, then you should give uh, the Browns I mean, some listen. praise for hiring a minority uh, GM also. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Good. So he so he has uh, he has a real strong background for that position in the in like you said he was a defensive coordinator a defensive coordinator on a good team uh, he has a strong secondary coach background obviously with you know with Atlanta and, and an, an assistant role in Seattle has a long playing background I believe he overlapped with Jim Schwartz for one year uh, with the Lions uh, and. He's a Florida guy, which is always appealing to Howie Roseman. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I, I, I can't say I know him. So or at, at least, at least personally, so I don't know how he'll do with kind of the personalities in the room. But on the surface, seems like a good hire because of of that background that he has. That makes sense that he was the only candidate Schwartz and Roseman could agree on because he went to Florida and played for <laughs> Schwartz. So they narrowed their, they cry, they went down their list, you know, Howie's making uh, suggestions, Schwartz is saying no way, Schwartz is making suggestions, Howie's saying no way. And then they come to a guy who wasn't even a coach in the league last year and say, all right, he's the one. No, I, I think, I, I, um, go ahead. No. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, big picture, I hope that, uh, you know, who knows how much say he's going to have on this scheme or anything like that. Uh, I think the one thing you can say is the Seahawks and the Falcons, uh, you know, they were single high teams. They were, played a lot of cover three. Uh, cover three is the Eagles' most popular coverage. They don't play it the exact same way. But, uh, you know, those, those corners in Seattle, at least, you, you played more 
press technique. You wanted big physical guys disrupting the opponent within the first five yards at the line of scrimmage. The Eagles do some of that, not not certainly to uh, that extent. And I actually go the other way in terms of we do what we do, and uh, you know we don't have to change it. I actually would like to see a little a little bit more spice from the uh, the Eagles. I think it's become harder and harder to play that way uh, if you don't have the right players. And I actually like a little bit more of the pre-snap disguise and the different blitz looks and the different uh, front looks and all that. Now, Schwartz has coached defense a long time. I don't think he's going to make any drastic changes, but that is just sort of a big picture thought. Yeah, I think that without without knowing, it, it's so impossible to actually analyze uh, like how a coach does from the outside, especially a position coach. But uh, it, everything it seems like this is a, this is as good a hire as they could have made for the position. Okay, so we're still there. Anything else on the other openings? I mean, are, are they going to hire an offensive coordinator before, like, the draft, before training camp? I know the, 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 you know, the popular thing to do as a sports writer is be like, oh, you know, don't panic, and it's all part of the process. But uh, come on, it's, it's almost February. No? No one's yeah, with so- me? Well, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't panic right now. Like, there's, there's not much you're doing this week, per se, but... But certainly, if it if it drags into mid February, it's it's a problem. Um, I mean, I mean, they can say that that they're uh, you know exhausting all options, if you will, and unless they're waiting to talk to someone in the Super Bowl, I right. don't know what else they're waiting for per se. So, uh, yeah, I I don't know where they're going yet with the offensive coordinator job. I, I mean, we've discussed all the all the names. I think. Graham Harrell was 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 the one who was it was it was closest to happening, uh, and then uh, on on the other roles, let's see. So defensive line coach. We talked last week on the podcast about Matt Burke. I've right. I've seen some reports that it's it's going to be him. I think Les Bowen uh, wrote that today that it's 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 going to be Matt Burke. Nothing formal there, but uh, certainly that was 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 kind of the, the way we were talking about it one week ago. Which and is then, a little bit um, interesting because he has been a linebackers coach in the past. Yes, yes. Uh, and then the the wide receivers coach. Uh, I I don't have anything to tell you right now about about where they're going with that, and, and and it's been fairly quiet on that one as well. And then the two guys from the 49ers staff who you would like if that is who they're waiting for. Uh, the two guys are obviously both named Mike. One is Mike LaFleur, uh, brother of Matt, who is the passing game coordinator, and then the other is the run game coordinator, which is Mike McDaniel. But Mike Mike LaFleur got blocked last year from going to Green Bay, I believe, right? Right, right. So why, I don't if know. he's still just... under contract, then, okay. All right, well, what do you think the odds are like Andy Reid wins a Super Bowl and says, I want to come back and be the wide receivers coach? Well, you know what? I, was, I don't think somebody somebody floated no? this to me. What do you think are the odds that Andy Reid wins the Super Bowl and says to the league, nobody, none of you would hire Eric Bieniemy, so I'm retiring and he's the new head coach? That would be amazing, but no, I don't. I I think Andy Reid is go if he didn't take that break between the Eagles and Chiefs job. Yeah, uh, it would that that would be wow. What a move that would be. I I like that move, but. Uh, oh, and it, would Andy? Maybe Andy Reid would become the OC. How about that? Well, yeah, now we're talking. He says, "I'll listen. I just love calling plays, and uh, I will be the associate head coach." You think Doug would and, give a play calling? 
No, no, no. I'm saying in Kansas City, he makes Bienemy the head coach. Oh, he, oh, he becomes the OC in Kansas City. He, he's like, listen, uh, I all I want to do is call plays. I'll coach the quarterback, but you run the show. No, I don't think Doug would. I don't think yeah. Doug would give up calling plays under uh, any circumstances. I think that's probably his favorite part of the job. Okay, <laughs> that's probably okay. fair. And I, I don't blame him. He's done a good job as a play caller. I, I, I know some people have floated like that out there that you know well man they're getting screwed by not getting an oc because doug wants to call plays like doug should want to call plays right. he's good at doug it doug is good at it yeah okay he, it, it, right. it is going to be weird if they hire somebody who is not on a super bowl coaching staff like then what yeah. was the hold up yeah i don't understand this whole we're going to announce it all at the same time what the point is of that but uh, listen that's just me i don't run an organization yeah, now that's why right. I I never understood that 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 part of it. <laughs> Sheila, if you had if you were called in for an interview, would you tell us? To where? For offensive coordinator. Oh, oh, for the for uh NFL job, uh would I tell you guys? Um maybe. I don't know. Hmm. That doesn't uh, yeah. give us a lot of inspiration. I mean, that wouldn't happen, but if it was some uh I don't know if it was some like really low level. Uh, I don't even know what department it would be. But uh, if I was just in that building for an interview, uh, maybe uh, I would have to give that some thought. Maybe it's already happened. You don't know where I've been. Well, I know. I know you haven't been at the Super Bowl. I know that's right. Okay. Behind the scenes on some stories. Let's get to it. Berminator, you were down at the Pro Bowl. You wrote some pieces for us on Lane Johnson. Uh, Fletcher Cox, give us uh, what 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 is it like to cover the Pro Bowl? I, I've never done it. It seems like a pretty nice uh, nice gig down there. Yeah, it's it's a it's a laid back environment. You're able to get guys. Um, usually, you know they they've had some time to decompress. Uh, they're they're it's 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 a very loose environment for interviews. So it's it's good there. You 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 see a lot of reporters or or beat writers come down for that reason. Uh, it was it was nice catching up with Lane and 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 Fletcher Cox. Lane, we discussed that on the on the podcast last week. How how he he was, I'm allowed to say pissed off, right? Uh, sure. Well, okay, then you're going to get Bo's joke of how <laughs> it's better correct. than to be pissed on. So I'll oh, just get it out of the, the way on. now. Sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, he was you pissed off that well. he wasn't voted in for the Pro Bowl, um, and. You know, he it's it's not new for Lane. You know, he's discussed this before, but uh, he thought he had his best season yet, and obviously didn't like the way the season ended in terms of the injury, but thought he was playing at at, at a really high level there. And then Fletcher Cox um, was, and he spoke to Bo and others at the end of the season too, and and uh, he he did not have a good season, you know, at least statistically, uh, but but he was adamant that. Being healthy this offseason and getting Malik Jackson back uh, will make a- an enormous difference for him and uh, really kind of took umbrage to the notion that maybe he's hit his peak. Uh, he insists that's not the case, and, and in, in speaking to his trainer and speaking to others, um, you know, there was some insight there in that story. And then it was, it was good catching up with uh, some other Eagles-related people who were at the Pro Bowl. I mean, well, I should say I spoke to Jason Kelsey for a while too, uh, but someone at The Athletic wrote a big piece on him. There, 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 there really wasn't much left on that bone. Um, and then, yeah, I, uh, saw, I saw that linked in uh, Peter King's Football yes, Morning in exactly. America this week. 
Zach, when you when but, Fletcher Cox uh, said the thing about uh, about Malik Jackson, like he really needs Malik Jackson back, did you give him like an "I know that's right"? Or were you like, were you like vigorously shaking your head yes? Like you agree? Well, I, I've never used that expression. That's that's a boism. Uh, the I I know that's, that's right. That's a shoeism. Uh, yeah. But yeah, thank but, you. Uh, thank I know you that's for right. not yeah. tessitoring me there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, I I did not nod my head. I was I was taking notes, and I I think probably putting the. Uh, the, the the time marker down in in my notebook and then so, um, so that you could play that one clip on repeat before you go to bed exactly yes <laughs> and then <laughs> it, it was it was it was nice catching up with some former eagles who were down there uh, michael vick Lagarrett blunt oh. uh they were both there and and uh what was Lagarrett blunt good. doing there just just taking it in and um and, oh, and Legarrette Blunt was here what? for one year and it's it's <laughs> it's weird. not as if like yeah, why was he there? <laughs> well he uh he was bringing I I I believe he was he was bringing a team down there or his children down there I'm not sure the particulars I I I did speak to him it was it was uh I I, I spoke to him for for memories of the 2017 team and some insight on some some players on the team but that would be uh, my my, fir- my first question would be what the hell are you doing down here? <laughs> no it was it was how, well he did you know so i i don't think i'm i'm, I'm so, I, I i don't think i'm speaking out of turn here but he he mentioned to me at, at one point that uh that he should have been in a pro bowl and he you know and he had that what 18 touchdown season and and that he kind of felt like like you know, I, I don't think he ever made the Pro Bowl as as a player, and so I made decided he could just show up. <laughs> no, and I, I well, <laughs> that he was enjoying the experience being down there. I made the joke to my, I I, I don't think this was kissing butt. I I I, I kind of meant it. I was like, well, you, I, I said you were always playing in the Super Bowl. Like you you could even if you got voted in, you you never would have gone to the Pro Bowl. And then he was like, "Yeah, you're actually right about that." So he goes, uh, "I his, know that's right." Yeah. So his now there's only one fitting way to end the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe, secure, and reliable betting app. Place your bets for America's biggest game of the year with the American-made. DraftKings Sportsbook app. Head to the app right now and check out all that they have to offer, including countless prop bets and football squares. I was on the app earlier today looking at some prop bets. Uh, there's there's some really interesting ones. You can pick on, on, the, on the MVP, obviously. The quarterbacks always have the edge there. Uh, but I would look at, at some of those San Francisco running backs, too, that have favorable odds uh there there's a prop bet for a big guy touchdown uh, an offensive line touchdown if you're expecting a dennis kelly type play uh another interesting prop bet i I would i would suggest people look at is how many players attempt passes in the game the over under there was two and a half and Mm. you can kind of play the odds on the over if you think that there's going to be a trick play or perhaps even an, a quarterback injury. So, anyways, those are some prop bets to look at. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TOSS, that's T-O-S-S, for a limited time. All new users get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, that's code TOSS, T-O-S-S, and get your sign-up bonus 
up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Uh, uh, you, you must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. The bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And you can go ahead and sign up for that now, and then uh, you can read my Super Bowl betting guide coming out uh, on The Athletic on Thursday, and you can go with the opposite of uh, whatever I do and, and make mm. some money on the Super Bowl. So that will be nice. Uh, two quick things on what Zach mentioned about the Pro Bowl. You know, I, I I don't have a problem with Lane Johnson, what he said, but I would disagree that this was his best season uh, ever. Definitely. You know? Yeah, I mean, so that's just, um, I don't know. Jason Peters said something similar, obviously, at the end of the season. So, I mean, it's not a big deal. Like, those guys should be confident in whatever it takes to feel good about themselves. But if we're assessing it objectively, I don't think that uh, would be the case. And uh, Fletcher Cox, I forget what I was going to say about that one. So, uh, anyway. (laughs) Good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, we'll probably right probably there. that he also uh, was not as good this year. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no doubt about that. And you know, I know he'll he he had some some quotes about turn the film on, and you'll see me like, yeah, that's true. You know, you turn the film on, and you do notice him making plays, but like that's not that's the level. Somebody's getting, that's somebody's getting paid for. Yeah, we we you want if you're an Eagles fan, if you're a part of the Eagles organization, you want more games like what we saw against the Seahawks in the playoffs. Like that is that's sort of the bar. You're not going to have that every week, but you want that more than one out of 17 games. And so um or you want, you know, performances that are approaching that performance more than one out of 17 games. There simply was not enough of that uh this last year, so maybe he'll uh He'll he'll bounce back. Really, that could be if you're looking at how can the Eagles defense improve. It's like a boring thing to say, but yeah, one way is for him to just play a lot better. I mean, we see the impact Absolutely. he has, and um, so that's something as we get into all these discussions about ways to improve in the off season and all that. That that might be the simplest solution. This is not the name of the segment that it has been in years past, but for now we can go with the pen is flightier. Okay, so, uh, you know, you've gotten gassed up enough, Bo, but we did want to go behind the scenes on the Kelsey story a little bit. Now, I did not get a chance to go through and take my notes, which I promised last time. I'm full of empty promises. So I just kind of wrote down a few things that stuck in my head from uh, the first time I read it. And I think the first one and the one that Peter King, you know, gassed you up for was Mm. the Toradol. Am I pronouncing that right? Yes. Toradol. Explain to the listeners what, you know, just kind of what that is for those who are uneducated about it, what Kelsey said about it, and kind of what your impressions were when you got to that part of the interview. And obviously, you can get to any any other behind-the-scenes stuff you want to. So, uh, I don't know. Have you guys been watching the Aaron Hernandez Netflix documentary? Yes, I have. You know, I watched the... No, I was just going to say, I watched the first, like, 10 to 15 minutes of it, and I am going to watch it... 
I I will say it's very I don't know how you guys feel. It's tough when you're uh like in parent mode and you're putting the kids to bed and you get down and you <laughs> yeah. clean up and you sit on the couch Let's at like nine o'clock. Depressing. Yeah. And my wife has no interest in it. Well, all right, <laughs> you can watch what you want. I'm gonna watch this Aaron Hernandez yeah. documentary. <laughs> I feel like I need an afternoon or like uh you know, maybe I'm away on a trip or some, maybe maybe one of these combine trips or something, that'll be a time to watch it. But anyway, go ahead. I just- generally agree with that uh but in the in i've watched the first two of the three episodes but but they do talk about tordal a little bit uh you know hernandez is is talking about it on some of these uh taped prison calls but uh i mean tordal is 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 a powerful painkiller uh and there is like there's an open case of former players suing the league and so uh since then the league has been a little bit more um hush hush about it but there are also uh back then or at least what the the suit is about. It was all about um, injections. And Aaron Hernandez is in the in the documentary uh, telling the story of like, or actually it's Chris Borland who's telling this story. Like fifteen guys just lined up with their pants down, getting ready to get the injection. Uh, so my understanding is at least the Eagles do not do injections anymore. It's just it's these tablets, and uh, Kelsey uh, takes these tablets before every game. And uh, as he explains, it's, it allows him to, uh, you know, not have to go out there and warm up his body. He just goes out there like he's ready to go. And, you know, I think, I think um, Sheila, at least you and I are, have talked about this in the past. We're sort of, you know, hyper aware of the fact that these guys are uh, putting their bodies on the line for uh, something that is, uh, you know, sort of ephemeral. But uh Kelsey is like fully eyes wide open. There, there's nothing that's being uh, like the wool is not being pulled over his eyes. He knows exactly what he's going into. Everything he does with his body, he has uh, thought about a lot and researched. So uh, there's also the the quote at the end, like, "Do you think that that this is worth it?" And then there's a quote that uh, actually I ended up cutting, which uh, I was thinking about in the context of the Kobe Bryant uh, terrible news. And it's I'll read a little bit of it here if I can pull it up. Uh, he says, I think everything I have in my life is because of this game. I met my wife coming out here to play this game. I've devoted everything I have. I've given everything else that I've had to it. And I think that's what life's about. I think life is so easy and so good these days that we focus on things like what's going to help us make it to 90 or 100 years old. What's going to help us live as long as possible? What's the point of everything, right? What's the reason for living? And for me, I've been blessed with a lot of physical attributes to be able to play this game and do it at a high level. And not only have I made the amount of money uh, that I've made, and then he says nobody in his family has ever made that kind of money, uh, although besides Travis. And that was because of this game and people in relationships that I've had uh, with people in this game, and I've been able to affect millions of people. So I think if it takes years off my knees and my hips, again, it comes down to what's important in life. So. Hmm. Interesting. Well yeah, there, so. there, there obviously is that uh, trade-off that they all deal with. He has a uh, baby daughter, but I, I do think yeah, the important thing is like is, uh, I mean, for years, obviously, the players were not educated about uh, a lot of this stuff and what was happening. Um, it, it is a, it, it was a jarring thing to read that like for as long I think he said what for as long as I can remember, my mm-hmm. pregame routine is popping three of this these pills. Uh, you know to get through uh a game and then and then he you can clarify here but then it was what you know the next day he will sometimes find bruises and stuff right which he didn't feel at the time right. because he was taking this and they just show up on his body i mean it was really uh you know I, I thought that was quite a quite you know it was a jarring thing to read for sure but what 
in in your opinion, why do you think Jason wanted to participate in this? Do you think it was uh, he 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 wants people to know what this is like? Do you think it was a an interesting thought experiment for him, or was it as simplistic as he's a he's a nice guy, you're a good reporter, and he trusts you to tell the story? Uh, I don't know. I think you'd have to ask him. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to yeah. speak for him. But uh, when I brought the idea to him in the summer, it was in the context of he had already been sort of talking about something uh, like about his body during training camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's and he's always like anything sort of football related. He's always willing to talk about. So um, he thought about it and said he said it would be a good idea. Obviously, the the uh, the agreement was that it would all be held until the end of the season. So, you know, so that there wouldn't be any kind of competitive sure. advantage given to uh, the other team. But that also helped him be more honest, I think. Why? I, I hope the- more players uh, kind of uh, follow his lead because I, I think it it really shows truly what what happens behind the scenes. Yeah, well, not to gas Bo up, but obviously if this were someone who he uh, did not like or did not have trust with, he would not have uh, agreed to this. So that, that certainly was part of it and i you know it really there were serious parts there were jarring parts there were funny parts like i had no idea that players go into the blue tent to go to the bathroom <laughs> i think like, i heard that, that once they, before but yeah it's funny oh, really okay they just go on the ground in there there's, it's there's so no, like, funny like, or think anything, about, right? like think about uh <laughs> anybody with stage fright like you're going in this blue tent but there's still like fifty thousand people just screaming around you <laughs> as you're trying to take a pee i have a uh I have a quick funny story to add, not to take the spotlight here off of... No, please uh, take it away. I feel very uncomfortable. Please do. Seriously. But Rodney McLeod missed, missed one snap this season, and, um, and he, was, he was going to the bathroom, actually. And uh, you know, he didn't know that it was going to be like the only snap that he missed all season. Right. But he had to go to, yeah, he had to, go to the bathroom, <laughs> and, and actually he, he thought he was good. And then the offense turned over the ball, and, mm. uh, and, and he missed one play. That's pretty good. Well, that's a, that's a nice nugget as well. I, I thought the part about how your hands and your fingers just get totally that was the destroyed. Thing, that was the thing that was interesting to me. Um, yeah, because when I had this idea, you know, I was thinking like there are going to be things I have no idea about. Like obviously, we see these guys struggling over the course of the year. But uh, you know, originally I was thinking like maybe I should try to talk to a bunch of different guys. And everybody was like, oh, man, the hands, the hands, because there's no like you're not going to go. You're not going to miss practice because you've got sore hands. But it's like uh, these guys hand like they have all these uh, broken, like mini little bones in their fingers, like all these these tendons are all messed up. Like uh, Jenkins, I, I, I was actually talking to Jenkins about it over the course of the season. And it's like it's just nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was good. And then uh, the part about getting stepped on, like. When you watch stuff in slow motion, offensive linemen, like from the end zone angle, it's amazing that that's just not an issue on every play. Like mm. the fact that you can run, you know, like an outside zone run and people aren't stepping on each other's feet is just sort of a credit to like how graceful the, they are as athletes, uh, offensive linemen in such a small space. Yeah, like just how to be able to stay on your feet. To be. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. So that struck me, you know, when he's talking about getting stepped on. It's like uh, I'm thinking, how does that not just happen all the time? So uh, that was good. Also, and anything else uh, behind the scenes there that you want to tell us about? Uh, I don't think so. There's nothing else I can think of. I think that that one quote is the only thing that was sort of left on the on the cutting room floor that was uh, super interesting. 
Did you get any surprise feedback from uh, people who you weren't expecting to hear from? Yes, the best piece of feedback I got was from Connor Barwin at the airport on the way back from the Senior Bowl. He said, uh, I, was, I, I read that Kelsey story. Well, actually, I read the first half of it, then I stopped reading, which I thought was totally fair. It's a very long story. It's the best piece of feedback I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, was it was it because it was so long or because it was like he didn't want to relive the pain of playing? No, I think it was because it was so long. <laughs> Hey, great. Listen, that's good. Special assistant to the GM. He's going to be yeah, honest. Keep it, keep it a buck. Nice that's, I like that. That's, yeah. that's, okay. I like that. All right. Very good. <laughs> good job out of him. Uh, okay. The, the other pieces we want to talk, talk about, uh, we can go short on this, but I wrote well, my 10 step yes. plan for the Eagles offseason this, uh, this morning. You can find that on The Athletic. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but I was wondering if there was anything in there that uh, caught your guys' attention that either you say, yes, I totally agree with that or I disagree with that. Or did you not read it? I mean, that's fine. No, also. I read, I was, I read gonna, it. I was trying to let Zach go okay. first. <laughs> I, no, I was deferring to Bo. I was deferring to Bo. Don't uh, all jump in at once. It was a okay. great, you know. Oh, well, I'll go. Um, <laughs> one that I sort of disagree with, but you you couch it is at the end, is the is the Alshon Jeffrey. Like, the, your last paragraph is the only reason to cut Jeffrey now is if you want him out of the building for chemistry reasons. I think that's a that's a possibility that that could be the case. And if that is the case, then they should just do it now. Um but yeah, I otherwise. did want to ask ask you guys about that. So, uh, so you know, my point was, so they get no cap relief if they cut right. Alshon Jeffrey. So I made the argument that hang on to him. You don't have to make a decision now. Maybe you know he starts the season on PUP. Maybe week seven rolls around next year and Deshaun Jackson is injured and JJ Arthago Whiteside hasn't made the leap and the rookie wide receivers are not developing the way you want them to. And so you at least have this option. In Alshon Jeffrey, but like you said, I you know the case for cutting him now is just you want the guy out of the building. So I, I actually did want to get your guys' take on the possibility of that as two guys who have been around the team all year through some of those controversial times. Uh, whether you think that that is a real issue that they would want to address and just say let's cut ties with this guy, or whether you you think maybe that's a little bit overblown and they might go with what I suggested. I think it's a it's a it's a bit overblown, um, but okay. I, you know, I I I'm certainly not ruling it out, and I I like the way you wrote it up. You know, the the, the only plausible explanation would be is like if if this if you think this guy's toxic in your building, otherwise there's just so much money there that that it's there are no savings like you mentioned it's it's literally just letting him go because you think it's addition by subtraction and and. I don't know if it's that bad per se. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I suppose we'll find out by what they do with him. But what you proposed in your story, uh, I think, makes sense. And, and you can let him recover on his own. Th- you know, you plan for the season as if he's not going to be there. And you kind of delay having to make a decision. Okay. Uh, anything else in there worth discussing? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I've been th- I've obviously been thinking a lot about the draft over the last couple of weeks at the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl. Uh, and I think your last point is like a good example of uh, why this is so difficult. You said use the draft to address 
wide receiver, defensive tackle, <laughs> cornerback, safety, and maybe linebacker. And I think we can agree that probably means at least two receivers do. So, uh, I mean, there is only so much you can do, which is why I think like there are in conjunction with free agency, you have to think about it like what, what positions can they uh, solve first? And that's why I think that they're going to find a way to, to at least uh, solve in air quotes cornerback before the draft comes because they can't afford to go into the draft needing a a starting cornerback but uh, i think that was just a funny like use the draft to address these five positions with your uh you know four picks in the first three rounds yes yeah i was trying to do that in sort of order of importance but that's absolutely right as you always point out you know if you get two starters from a draft um that's probably a decent uh a decent haul. So you're not just going to go in and have all these guys that can play, but it, it does underscore how important this draft really is. When, um, you know, I had Jason Fitzgerald from over the cap help with that piece and he was describing how little flexibility they have. Uh, and one thing is with, with cornerback, especially, I guess we'll, let's just get this question answered now from you guys. You know, do you feel like they should make an aggressive play for a top corner, whether it's Byron Jones or uh, James Bradbury or some of these other guys out there who are going to cost you a pretty penny and it's going to be, you know, significant deals. Or one option I threw out there was, you know, maybe you just try to sign, bring Jalen Mills back and then you see if you can get maybe a middle tier guy on a short term contract. And so you have an answer for next season, but you still are trying to build through the draft. Any, Any opinions one way or another on that? Yeah, so I I I like the Byron Jones idea. Uh, you know, I I like him as a player. I, I think from uh, what I've heard in 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 terms of the, kind of the character and the football character, uh, it would be in a, a a decent fit as as well. Um, I thought you had a good point in there, which their flirtation, strong flirtation with Jalen Ramsey, um, shows that that they're willing to invest big money into that position. Uh, so. I you know it's it, at some point you need to decide if a bidding war is worth it. Uh, but I I do think they're going to be big players in the cornerback free agent market, and my guess is the free agent that gets the most money from them this off season is a cornerback. I actually go the other way. I reading your piece made me uh, less enthusiastic about the Byron Jones idea because I think they need to do a few things in free agency, and signing Byron Jones sounds like. It's going to sort of handy, uh, handicap them from being able to do those things. I think I would rather re-sign Mills, sign uh, a middle-tier guy, and I'm also not like ready to just pencil in Avante Maddox as the starting free safety. I think they probably need to sign another safety. Uh, and there's other things they have to do. They're going to have to sign some kind of linebacker. They'll probably sign a special teams linebacker on the first day of free agency and cut him in August again. But uh I think I think there's too much to do for them to go all in on Byron Jones. Yeah, so what what really stood out to me, Sheil, was the Avante Maddox pick that you had or or the note there to make him this the starting deep safety. Uh do you really think that's that's a path that they would go? They they've seemed resistant to it at least this year, but I think that's kind of where he might profile best long term. Yeah, this is one where I, I feel like I feel differently than Jim Schwartz, and Jim Schwartz knows a lot more than me and is around these guys every day. But when Maddox played free safety, uh, replacing McLeod a couple years ago, I thought he did a really good job. And I remember sitting in a press conference where 
you know, somebody asked about Maddox's lack of size and he said he kind of has Rodney McLeod's size profile. And so uh, I didn't think Maddox had a great year, uh, both in the nickel and on the outside. And I, I think I like Craven LeBlanc. So I almost thought that that would be something that makes sense. That is, you know, my hunches, that's more me than them. I don't know that that's a path they're going to go down, but um, maybe it should be one that they should explore. And then my last uh, minor thing is I agree with you on Nigel Bradham, but uh, it also reads to me like this is a path to a restructure if the Eagles want to. And if Nigel Bradham wants to rather than go go test the market, I guess. No, I I think that's a spot where they make a change. Okay. Uh, Do we have any other ad reads that we have to do? Yes. Okay. If you were to guess, Sheil, on average, how many days – People in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor. What would you say? 67. Hmm. Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. That's that's the month of February this year. If you're dealing with a condition like, I don't know, erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's pharmacy can ship you medication with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash birds for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash birds for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Okay, I've got a a hard out in about 11 minutes, so there were a couple other segments we wanted to do. We did want to talk about, um, obviously, the Kobe Bryant news and uh, all that. We don't want to rush that, so uh, we're not ignoring it. Um, And Zach did write about it as it pertained to the Eagles, but we're going to cover that in the next episode. And we'll also talk a little bit uh, about the Super Bowl in the next episode. Super Bowl picks. There you go. So uh, we did want to get to the mailbag because we did ask uh, ask listeners for questions. So let's let's finish with that here. I will read some out, and then Bo, I know you had a separate tweet. So if I missed okay. any, you can get to those as well. Let's start with this one from K Money, and then he's got a lot of numbers at the end of his thing. He's a loyal listener, but I'm not going to read all of those. Uh, he wants to know any draft prospect favorites in your early research, Bo. You have been at the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl, Zach. I know you researched this stuff. Uh, I think he was asking that to you. No, I don't think so. I'm very, I I got a big free agency guide I got to put out. I'm not uh, into the draft stuff yet. So, uh, Uh, of the guys I've watched, uh, I think I've talked about most of them. Uh, The wide receivers were really underwhelming to me at the senior bowl. There's nobody there who I thought like would give, would bring the Eagles offense, the kind of juice it needs. There's like, you know, there's a bunch of like defensive tackles I like and uh, some like interior offensive linemen, but that's nobody wants to hear about that. So uh, when I, when I, when I find my receivers that I like, I will let you guys know. So uh, my draft crush, and, and, and this is like, this is obvious. He's, he's going to be a really high pick now. I, I don't know if going into the year, 
was viewed as as high is Isaiah Simmons from from Clemson. I love those mm. kind of cornerback safety hybrids. The Miles Jack, Shaq see, Thompson types. Me. That you saw that. Where's uh, no, he going to play? Mean, I like positionless. But you see, you're so hung up on labels. Bo. No, okay. I like the <laughs> idea. Think, think I about like the, the idea. Yes. I like Where's the idea play? of those guys, but but if he goes to like, you know, uh, Joe Judge or whoever, like, who, who, you need to trust some. That needs to be an interesting defensive mind to be able to get the most out of that guy. Wow. Joe Judge under the bus. Wow. <laughs> He'll play oh, five zones. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the under on Joe Judge's uh, career in, in New York, just for well, the record. Yeah, yeah. Simmons is going to play five. He's, I, I really like Simmons. Um, a safety that I would watch for the Eagles uh, is Antoine Winfield Jr. If you watched uh, Minnesota at all this year, um, there's a lot to like there. Kind of one of those guys who's always around the ball. And then, I mean, Henry Ruggs, just in in, in terms of that dynamic ability at, at wide receiver, uh, really like him. And then two years ago, I really liked the Colorado receiver, Chenault. Am, am I pronouncing it correctly? Chenault. Um, yeah. Chenault. Uh, yeah. Uh, did not watch as much Colorado this past year. I'm sure I'll see a lot of him kind of in these next few weeks. But I, I remember watching them two years ago and as a sophomore then he was he was just outstanding there you go Uh, I actually do sort of agree with Bo for the Eagles in terms of the hybrid type guy on defense especially in the first round that would make me a little bit nervous it's not you know this this really creative scheme but uh, you know I'm, I'm not ruling it out but I do feel like you need to have a a coach who has a definitive plan I think sometimes both on both sides of the ball whether it's the gadget guy on offense or that type of guy on defense the idea of it seems good and then you get the guy in and you don't know how to use him and it ends up and then you get uh, to like the you know it's it's game plan week and like nobody wants to spend extra time figuring out what this guy's role is going to be they just it's it's easier to just pigeonhole him into you know linebacker or safety I do like how Zach called you out for always wanting labels. Uh, Going to be on board with that. Okay, I'm never uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Loyal listener Ryan J says, "Woodpecker, you rather never be able to eat dessert again ever again, or be required to take part in one practice a week during training camp as if you played on the team for the entirety of your career covering the NFL?" Mm. Can I be a kicker? Yeah, he didn't stipulate. Oh, I mean, I'll do me that. The, I, I, I would love that football practice, and I love dessert too. So, um, yeah, I would definitely take football <laughs> practice. They don't even okay. hit anymore in practice. So yeah. <laughs> Concussion uncle. <laughs> I like that. I feel like I would, I would probably get I would actually like to be the, the quarterback, and they're not going to hit me in training camp. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I might give up dessert. It would be good for my health. Uh, dessert's okay. great. What's life without dessert, right? Well, I do like an ice cream cake. You know that. Uh, all right. Uh, another, we got all the, all the loyal listeners are out. Okay. Uh, Mr. E says, is there a chance Doug decides to forego having an OC altogether and mm. just brings in someone in a consulting type role? I, I saw somebody else ask this question too. Uh, I, I'll take this one. Uh, I don't think so. I think that would be very surprising. I think that would be kind of a, a really bad sign that we looked for people and yes. couldn't find anybody and are defaulting to this. So uh, I would be pretty surprised if that happened. Any, anybody disagree? No, that and be, I, I, I actually heard back in, in 2018 that was something that they were looking at, whether like to kind of just after Frank Reich left, whether kind of keep 
not have that former off offensive coordinator and just have kind of a run game coordinator, pass game coordinator. They didn't do it then, so I definitely don't see them doing it now. Okay. Uh, another loyal listener, Justin asks, biggest surprise who won't be on the 2020 edition of the Eagles? Ooh, that's a good one. So Jason Peters doesn't count as a surprise, I wouldn't say. Uh, I don't think that does Nigel Bradham count as a surprise. Mm. Probably not, right? Probably not at this Probably point. There, I'm going with Sewell Douglas. Okay, well, that's good, solid one. Is that a surprise? Uh, it's enough of a surprise. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. these questions are always tough because, like, I don't if we know, knew, unless it's you're going to say like yeah. Fletcher Cox, like, yeah. no, that, I don't think that's going to happen. So, what about uh, what about uh, one of Greg Ward and or Boston Scott will not make the roster? Okay. That's a surprise, right? I, I mean, I guess Malcolm Jenkins would be a surprise Malcolm to Jenkins me, would be a surprise. Not totally out of the realm of possibilities. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let that, uh, Somebody was wanted to know if you had any ombudsman notes on the Jimmy Kemsky podcast. You know, I didn't. I think, uh, you know, not to step on your toes there, but I think I was exercising mm. uh, during that one, <laughs> so I enjoyed it. He did a good job, but I was not in a position to, like, uh, to take a lot of notes there. I was worried. Oh, look at you uh, with the I exercising I, flex. I think we got to make sure, you know, th- those are safe. We might have to come up with a mic solution if you're going to keep doing those to uh, make sure we're not putting anyone in harm's way as they drive. I think that's yeah, accurate. Mike B. actually said, I'm concerned about the podcasting while driving episodes and everyone's safety. Not really a question, just my concern. Well, thank you, Mike, for caring. <laughs> uh, we appreciate that. Uh, Dot asks, most likely splash signing or trade for the Eagles this offseason? Ooh, I like that one. Splashy. What could they do? I, I, I tend to agree that if there is going to be a splash, I think cornerback is most likely. Uh, would you be surprised if they threw some money at one of these off-ball linebackers? Would that be a big surprise? Like a, a Corey Littleton type? Mm. If it's a lot of money, it would surprise me. I mean, if, if they added one of them, if they added Corey Littleton for a starter salary, but not kind of top-of-the-league starter salary, then uh, that wouldn't surprise me. But big money okay. would. Okay. Here's the question. What would you send to Minnesota to acquire Stefan Diggs? Oh, I like that. What's his? Uh, I forget his contract. He just signed a big contract, right? Yeah, he's got. He's he's locked up, but he doesn't like it up. there, and it doesn't seem like they love him. I would give a yeah, second. I, would, I I was gonna say that. I I don't think that I I love him as a player. Uh, obviously, him having tantrum on the sideline like every game would be a little bit of a concern. And I think that he would is probably 26, be twenty-six, and he is Ooh. signed. Uh, let's see. Next year he will make fourteen point five, and the year after he'll make fifteen, and then after that you can get out of the contract. Yeah, I, I would give a second round pick for him. That's actually not a, um, you know, it's, it's not a crazy it's, salary. No. Like no, Amari Cooper may get may get twenty. No, right? it's not it's crazy a, at all. So it's not a bad contract. It's uh, it's two years. He's young. He's an unbelievable route runner. Uh, he he can stretch the field. He can do a lot of different things. I guess you would really have to check on sort of the locker room fit type uh, type deal. But, now, would uh, you guys uh, give your first rounder for Odell? Mm. That's a tough one. I, I, I've always been pro Odell. Me too. Listen, when that call comes in, what are you going to do? 
You're going to piss down your leg? <laughs> yeah, I'm probably saying let's do it. <laughs> it's yeah. bad. I, yeah. I would need more time to think about it, and it might not be the smart thing to do, but uh, my gut says, man, that would be pretty exciting. I would tell yeah, Howie just to text me and, 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 uh, and let me know first, you know. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you said, "What would you do if the call came?" I was answering the question. What would you do if the call uh-huh. came? That's what I would do. Yes. So okay. I was trying any, to make a any, joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> any other big splashes you can think of? Uh, well, Byron Jones is the obvious one. I mean, you know, could they sign AJ Green? He's a little bit older. No, I don't think he's going anywhere. You don't think he's going anywhere? No, I think he's probably getting tagged, or okay. they'll sign him to an extension they should not sign him to. Uh, okay. Uh, where do the Eagles, this is from Alex. Where do the Eagles top three draft picks from last year fall on the Kinsey scale? P.S. <laughs> Please do your best Tony Pauline impression. If you get to this one, uh, I, I wouldn't keep them on the roster. Uh, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, okay. I think that, I think that just about wraps it up. We didn't get to all of these, so that's good. I, I think we have, um, some segments available for a second pod this week. If, if you oh, two are great. available. Yeah. We got to preview the super, the super owl. Okay. Yeah. So let's, uh, we'll, Maybe we we'll can share Andy Reid stories next pod. Yeah. I don't have many, but, uh, <laughs> we can we can do that uh thursday or friday why don't we do a second pod we will um get to the kobe stuff uh we will get to the super bowl we will get to some more of your questions and anything else you all want to end on that's all we i need got to get in great job hosting. Got. Yeah. okay thank you so for uh zach berman and Bo wolf thank you for listening we appreciate it We like you on some days. We don't hate you on some other days, but we will talk to you later this week.